Welcome to Bourbon Basketball and Bullshit. We got a special episode. We got Tyler on Skype. What's up, Tyler? Hey, guys. And we have a very special guest, Mr. John Little from Smooth Ambler. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. It's been a long time coming. It's only taken us, what, uh, five days to get this together. <laughs> little technical difficulties. <laughs> Crazy schedules. Yeah, well, we know you've got a nut schedule going on there. We were talking about before we started your all's uh, expansion. What are you all getting up to now? Uh, so we're we were doing uh, before the before our partnership with with Prano, it was NBV. Uh, we were doing about forty barrels. Uh, sorry, about eighty barrels a month, and then we went to one hundred and twenty barrels a month, and now we're. We'll be doing a little over 300 a month. Wow. So, well, around 300 a month. Um, so, you know, we're still tiny compared to the big boys in, in the bourbon world, but uh, I think we're I think we're, we're on the really uh, upper end of the craft guys for sure. Yeah. it's it's Every time I look at the pictures on Instagram, it's crazy how much different it is from the first time I came. Yeah, you wouldn't even recognize it now. We've... You know, we, everything's still pretty hands-on, um, but certainly we've, we've automated a lot of the a lot of the tasks. We, we don't have folks putting um, uh, putting you know, you know uh, hoses on by hand. We don't have people moving grain bags by hand anymore. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're doing that much volume, you can't you can't really have people breaking their backs like that. Um, yeah, so but it's completely changed. So now where we were, you know, we, we were only about five thousand square feet of production area, and now we're at about twelve thousand square feet of production area. So we keep we keep growing for sure. Yeah, the first time I came up there, I uh, was picking up the smooth dramblers bottles, and you basically just had those two. You had the Rick, the one Rick house, and I think you were building down the hill, maybe, yep. and uh, then you had the the uh, barrel select house, and that was about it. Yeah, so we have we actually have four buildings on site one, the main property we have. So production, two production buildings now, uh, one warehouse for storage as we're as we're bringing barrels in and out of storage. It's basically a staging area for us, but we also keep some old scout inventory in there as it comes in from Indiana or from Tennessee. Uh, and then we have one the one building down below, building number four that did have barrels in it where you had been. It's all now uh, you know, shipping and receiving grain, new barrels, uh, things of that nature. And on site two, we have five buildings now, have about 11,000 barrel capacity on site two, and then in 18, we'll add to that as well. Look for site three or even add some barrels to uh, barrel houses to site two. So probably need another four or five barrel warehouses, get us up around 20,000, uh, capacity of about 20,000 barrels. Wow. That's... That's crazy in comparison. I, I was thinking the other day, I think we're about 35 times bigger than we were when we started. Wow. So, yeah, crazy. We never we never really planned for this. Yeah, I was going to ask, <laughs> did you ever imagine when you started this if you would get that you would get that big? Never imagined we would get this big. Never 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 once that I, I think we would kind of grow to this. Um and and I say this, I don't mean it negatively. I never I never really wanted it to be this big, really. Uh, it's not, not to say that I'm not happy with it. Yeah. You know, we, we originally built this thinking we were going to be a kind of a small family business, and maybe we'd add and get up to five or ten employees. 
Um, but you know, now it's with the old scout business and with this, again, with this partnership with, with NBV and, and the Pernod network, it's, yeah, I think we're at 21 or 22 employees and I don't see why it would stop assuming that, you know, we keep doing what we, what we've been doing and, and assuming, you know, the all the things that we're always scared about, which is whether or not the market's going to keep doing what it is, people are going to keep buying whiskey. So some of those things that are outside of our control scare me a little bit. Well, you uh, you still have to get twenty three because you got to hire me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I need my Midwest rep. Yep, brand adv- ambassador at least. That's right. Uh, probably got more bottles of smooth ambler. You know, got to be in the top five or ten. I imagine probably in the top, at least top five. Uh, probably top five and or top ten in amount of bottles, but number one in veracity of fandom. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> so. uh... For people that haven't heard you on a podcast before, how did you all start up? Uh, just give a little synopsis of how you got started, or how you got into bourbon, for that matter. Shit, both of them. I want to hear both of those yeah. things. Well, let's start how I got into bourbon. Um, my mom drank bourbon. Still mm. does. So, um, my my father passed away when I was really young, and I was raised by a really kick-ass single mom, and uh, you know, who, who worked full time and took care of two kids, and just a just a really wonderful role model. And um, she, she's about as awesome as anybody could ever be. And, um, she drank bourbon every day, every day, pretty much. Um, and my mom never overconsumed. You know, she drank one or two bourbons every day. And, God, I don't even know how anybody can drink them. They're like <laughs> an ounce pour of bourbon and about 10 ounces of water. Uh, it's it's like you took bourbon and wa- you know, poured it in your glass, poured it out, and put a, put a little bit of water, water in there. <laughs> uh, but she drank bourbon every day and, uh, and still does and uh, still makes me, to, to this day, actually, uh, she didn't let me give her bottles for free. You know, she makes me... Make, she, she makes me charge her for them, um, and so we, I got into I got into it like that. So, you know, when I was when I was younger than I am now, you know, I I I, I drank in the house. I'm not saying I drank underage because that's illegal, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I drank around the house, I I, I drank bourbon, and, and she had something there, whether it was you know early times or Jim Beam or uh, old granddad way back in the day. Um, that's what that's what she had at the house. I think mostly early times was probably what she had. So um, had that all the time, man. That's how I, that's how I really got into bourbon. That's crazy. That's a cool story. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's awesome, and she, and she drinks. She, now she drinks all the rye. So when we she does make me save bottles. So <laughs> when we have when we have the limited release rye. She makes me save bottles for her because she loves the rye. So uh, she was she was out and about about a month ago. And, uh, she really wanted some rye and didn't have any, and and uh, <laughs> she called me up. She goes, "Hey, I need some rye." And there's obviously none at the North Carolina ABC store. What can I get? And I said, "You know, you really need to get the Bullet Rye. That's about. That's always. It'll be on the shelf, and it'll be what you're. It's probably as close to what you're used to from drinking smooth Ambler." Mm. And it felt bad to tell your mom to buy somebody <laughs> else's somebody else's juice, but this is it. So that's what you'd say is the closest to your all's rye is bullet rye from my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, right. It's, 
um, as far as I can tell, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing here, but my guess is it's probably made it. I think it's made at MGP. It would be, it would be, um, I think younger than one. It's 100% rye, too. I know they use 100% rye, I believe. Is it? I was thinking it was, I think it was, I thought it was the same mash bill, uh, made it, made it in Indiana, which is the 95.5, but you, you might be right. Maybe uh, it is 95, man. I, should, I guess I should never step my down to talking <laughs> to somebody who owns a company, but I, I, it, it, I guess it is either 95 or 100, but man, it's, it's way up there for sure. I just thought it was. I thought if it was made in Indiana, it would it would probably have the same flavor profile. I don't think I've ever had it. I was just trying to give my mom some <laughs> feedback on what I knew would be on the shelf. You know, nowadays when you you don't really know what's going to be on the shelf given the the hype. You know what I market. find crazy is I can find Sazerac rye up here like it's nobody's business in in Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's at Target. I went in five Targets a day, and they all had Sazerac rye on the shelf. You mean baby says though? Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not B-tack on the shelf. Right. I got excited for a second there. <laughs> if it was on the shelf, I wouldn't have told you about it. Let me tell you that. <laughs> you bought it off. Yeah, exactly. So, how did you get? How did Smooth Ambler start? Uh, I think I've heard the story on a couple podcasts. You, I know this is the first podcast you've ever been on, but in case you hadn't <laughs> been on one before, can you tell everybody what how Smooth Ambler started? Yeah, it was, you know, my, my father-in-law and I were in another business together. We we um, we, wor- we worked together. Um, he's an architect, and we worked together. Uh, I, I was procuring furniture and fixture and things of that nature for some of his clients. So I was like a fancy purchasing agent, mm-hmm. and and nothing was. Um, it was exciting. Sorry, it was it was paying the bills, and I, I liked it, but it certainly wasn't exciting. And we weren't really doing much for the good of West Virginia and for the community. And so we were, we were trying to, my father-in-law, great idea, great visionary kind of guy. Uh, his name is Tag Gallion. Um, he really wanted to make something in West Virginia and to promote it both nationally and globally and promote something made in West Virginia as being the best in the world that was a really big thing to him and so we looked at a variety of different things we looked at making furniture making clothes uh we actually looked at something a little bit similar to that but doing customer service center i still think that would be really great because the people in west virginia are are so nice um and and so wonderful and very hospitable it's pretty much in their nature except for um, football what except when they're playing other people in football well look man everybody's got their (laughs) Everybody's got their tribe. You know, when you play anybody <laughs> in any sport, you have to hate the other team. That's kind of like a rule, right? Uh, and, and so anyway, we looked at all sorts of things. And one day he was flying back from uh, Denver and saw an article in Time Magazine that talked about the growth of the micro distilling business and cut it out and put a little smart-ass comment in the right-hand corner of the page and said, we can do this in your garage and, and put it in my box. And... I looked at it, you know, a couple of days later, did some searching on Google. Turns out 10 days later, there was a conference in Louisville for the ADI, the American Distilling Institute, and signed up for it. Took a, a friend from here, went to the conference and toured Vendome, Baker's Mart, a couple of other places, and then went to the conference. And when I walked into Vendome, it was like, it was kind of my aha moment. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I was going to do with my life. 
um, it, it, you know, I did a lot of things when I was younger and I always, I've probably, probably heard me say this before, may have heard this, heard me say this before, which is I always had a problem where I felt like I was the jack of all trades and a master of none. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew how to do some, I, I did a little bit of plumbing work and I can sweat pipe and do some basic mechanical, mechanical work in, in that arena. I worked on cars to help pay my way through college. Uh, I bartended and I took some accounting classes in college. So I, I know how to do a little bit of those things pretty well. And I, and I handled sales and uh, I, I just, I just felt like everything that we, I was hearing at that conference, knowing how to run a little bit of business and being sort of mechanical so you can handle pumps and hoses and plumbing issues and uh, being able to read the regulatory stuff and, and, and go through that lengthy process, process. I just felt like I had the skill set to do it. And, and as it turned out, I was I got I got pretty right on that. Um, I, I wish I'd have had a, a more technical background actually in making whiskey as opposed to just running the business or felt you know I, I, I do I I can do the other stuff pretty well you know fix a fix a pump if it goes down or try to figure out a unique sol- solution to some sort of problem. But I really wish I'd have had a had more technical background uh, that I did when I started. But other than that, I was I felt like I was well suited for the job. And, Felt like I got really lucky, and of course, as we've grown in the businesses, I'll, I'll back up in a minute. But as the business has, mm-hmm. has gone forward, um, luckily the business has been successful, and so we've been able to hire people who are experts in those individual fields. And so we hired consultants like Larry Eversold, and uh, we actually Jim Rutledge does some helps has helped us out, but never charged us. Um, and now we have a controller, now we have an operations manager, all these people who are, you know trained both uh educational wise and through their experience and so i really feel like we're we're, we're really starting to, to make really fantastic product just bought our first gc so we can do gas testing on everything and, and grain testing equipment so we've, we've really advanced nice pretty far. speaking yeah. of hires where did you find paul jackson so paul paul came in um <laughs> yeah he Paul is from the area, and okay. uh, you know he, he did a couple of tours, and and got hurt in in um, Iraq, mm-hmm. and came back to West Virginia, where he was where he was from, uh, and he was a metal fabricator. Interesting. He, he came to the distillery and hung out with one of our former employees, and just was just really interested. I think he originally came there the first time to buy a barrel um, for some. A home project he was working on. Stopped by. We needed some help at the time, and basically he, he pretty much talked his way into a job. <laughs> and I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't like Paul to begin with, and, you know, because he's kind of no, he's he's kind of he's you know, grizzly. He's grizzly man. Yeah. And, and of course, of course, whether you're talking about Paul in person or whether you're talking about Paul on social media, he he gives you that appearance from the outside, yeah. but he's really a. He, he really, he, he does it, you know, he, it's, it's, it's his persona, but mm-hmm. it's really not his actual personality. Yeah. And he unless you really huck a steak at him. Do what? Unless you huck a steak at him, then he's not. Unless you, hey, look, if you huck a steak at him, man, <laughs> you, know, uh, you deserve what's coming. Yeah, you, I got it. So, so <laughs> anyway, he, uh, yeah, he, he's a great guy. He is super smart when it comes to mechanical things mm-hmm. the guy has pretty much run our entire uh, expansion 
he's handling every every aspect of that coordinating you're doing project management that doing all the coordination with all of our different vendors uh the guy knows how to make whiskey he's an avid reader he talks to jim rutledge and he talks to larry eversold and he talks to rick Wisner, who does controls and all the every person that he meets at another distillery he stays on the he stays in contact with those people and talks to them about everything every sort of question you can imagine about yeast and enzymes and new production methods and new way to save uh, to save energy and new efficiencies at the at the program at the plant, um, he's always doing those and figuring out new ways to improve our process. And that probably most people wouldn't have guessed that from the outside, right? Because yeah, because he's got that kind of rough persona. But man, the the, the guy is really super smart, and uh, he's well respected. I tell you, he's actually he's he's making a name for himself. I think in the industry, at least in in our small in our <laughs> small part of it, right? Whatever whatever we are, we're big or small guy not quite to the big guy level yet he he, he does very well in that group you know so he he just went to they just went to wilderness trail uh he and a couple of the guys from the distillery yeah uh and andy robinson he does, who you know and does, yeah. he does the blending and then travis who's a new operations manager they went to wilderness trail and, and toured some stuff there and we, we've actually changed some of the things that we're doing in the expansion uh as we were doing the expansion based off of some of the things that they saw and spoke to those guys about so really wonderful uh really wonderful things that they're learning that's a great story i hadn't heard how he'd come into it and i was that's super interesting i having met paul quite a few times it's it's funny because he does come off as that gruff person but you can tell you can tell there's a a heart of gold behind that and he's i could tell he was very smart because i've tasted some of the things he's created and you, you you can't be a dummy and make stuff like that you're you're exactly right. You know, one of the things we've had to be cautious of over as we've grown is that you know the way that we communicate, which is that that very rough uh, kind of smart ass comment <laughs> where we're really always poking the bear. You know, a lot of people don't really understand that humor, and and sometimes we've gotten carried away with it, myself included. And and you know, we've we we we've been we were, we're reminded as, as, again as we've grown, we've been reminded that. A lot of people don't get that humor and don't really understand that, and we should probably be more sensitive of that uh, in the future. And um, you know, people don't understand that being gruff sometimes is just kind of a again, it's kind of your persona, but really not not exactly who you really are. So we got to be careful of that. That's probably that's probably why I was uh, so attracted to you all because that was my that's my personality, uh, smart ass, dry humor. And that was what I got the first time I came in there, other than uh, delicious whiskey. Well, thank you. We, we, we do break balls. And, of course, but look, when you do it in person, yeah. it's, it's very much to e- easy to see that it's really lighthearted and fun and we're all laughing. When you do it like on social media or if, we're, if people don't really know us, right, then it seems kind of odd. It seems kind of odd. So, you know, we, we've been through some of those growing pains, man. We're, we're working on making sure that, that's, uh, that people know that we're, you know, that we're, that we're really good really really good folks and, and paul is too so um yeah I, I knew your comment i knew a little bit about the throwing the steak at paul so <laughs> yeah. well it wasn't at him it was in his general direction but it was at your yes it was close Sorry. enough <laughs> <laughs> no I, I love paul but that, that's what i that's why i asked because i i knew there had to be a story behind it so that's why i asked and that's a super interesting story that i hadn't heard before yeah you know we've got go ahead no i I was done. Oh, you know, we, we've been really lucky with all of these people uh, that, you know, that, that all of our employees that, 
that worked there, right? So all these different people, they all, everybody has a story. You know, Andy was, we found Andy, Andy was doing uh, catering for us for special events. The guy was a chef at the Greenbrier Hotel, the sporting club, the private homes um, property here around the Greenbrier. And he was doing catering uh, outside of work hours. And, um, and, and, and then he actually left there and went somewhere else before he came to work for us. And we, we met him. I just loved the way he worked. He was always willing to pitch in and, and make this stuff, uh, you know, whatever our event was a success, even when it was outside of his scope. Um, you know, we've, we've found, look, we live in a small town, so not unfortunately. So I guess sometimes it's a little bit weird, but sometimes we hire cousins and brothers or sisters or whatever they are. And, um, you know, everybody there has a story about how they came to work here and why they work here. L- luckily we have a, we have a really cool thing that we do. We, we try to treat our employees very well. And so we have a, we have a list of employees that, that would like to, a lot of people who would, or a list of people who would like to work there. So we've, we've always, always been able to hire people that we wanted to hire. We've never had to hire people that, oh, they're just enough to get us through the next phase. And so we're, we're, we're fortunate that everybody we work with, we want to be working with. And, and again, they all have a story and they're all really wonderful people. We couldn't do it without, sorry, we could do it without <laughs> any of them, I guess. I mean, no matter who doesn't show up tomorrow, I guess we got to go to work, right? Yeah. But I don't want to do it without any of them, that's for sure. And and we're very fortunate that everybody there uh, likes what they do and wants to be at work and is, con- and is dedicated to the same thing, which is to make delicious spirits, delicious whiskey every day they go to work. Well, I've been I've been asked in the past what what made Smooth Ambler Smooth Ambler to me, like my favorite distillery, why I was such a fan of it. And I mean, everybody, or not everybody, but a lot of people make whiskey, but it was the people that made it for me the first time I came in there. It was, I was throwing football with your son out in the front, and you, it made it feel like a home when I, when I came in. That's, I mean, that's what you've grown you came, there. You came in there with Jonathan, right? Yeah. First time you came and y'all threw football on the lawn with him. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And, and drank look, in man, your office. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> We try to treat everybody like that, you know. I mean, again, it gets harder the bigger you get, but we do. We try to treat everybody like that. We want, we want, when people come in there, hospitality is our most important thing. We want people to feel like part of the family, not because of some bullshit contrived thing that we're trying to do. That's just the way we want to do it. I mean, anybody who's come to West Virginia and spent more than a little bit of time here has probably had something that John Foster has cooked, yeah. or he has. John, John has played music with him, and we share drinks with him. This is the same stuff that we do every day. This isn't like it's something special. This is what we do. We just happen to be able to do it now on a bigger stage than we would if if we, we weren't part of Smooth Ambler. So uh, it's not something that we're just trying to make up. It's really who we are. We just really want to take to make work as much like our personal lives because we like those things. Um, we're trying to make it as much like our personal life as we can, right? So well, that's, that's it's a, a family atmosphere. I don't know how many drinks I've had with Foster just shooting the shit, talking about business or whatever. It's 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 just it's fun every time I come to West Virginia. It's just a it's a blast. I mean, that was the last thing I did before I moved up here was come to West Virginia for the uh, very old scout release. Yeah, the Dramblerie. Yep. That's well, gonna be my you know, uh, birthday bottle. <laughs> Talking with Foster is, I mean, the guy's great, and we're, you know, we're really super close. I mean, we're best friends, and and um, yeah, he, there's like he, he and two or three other guys that I speak to on a pretty much on a daily basis, no matter where I am, you know, what what 
where I am in life and where I am in the world. Um, he's a he's a really really wonderful guy. Yeah. However, <laughs> we couldn't be more apart in many ways. Yeah. So so right, I'm always really excited about talking about something sports related. Whether it's you know, it used to be it used to be more about pro sports and college basketball, or whatever. Now it's more about talking about my kids and stuff. And John Foster. I mean, you know, he barely knows what a football is, <laughs> and, right? and so uh, he's not quite that bad. But you know, he he doesn't he doesn't talk about that sort of stuff. And so I get all excited to talk about it, and he's just like, uh huh, uh huh, because <laughs> you know, he's he, he's thinking about something else. Whether it's you know, he's a he's a pretty cerebral guy. So whether he's uh, you know, he's but mostly it's about music. So invest well, um, a lot of time. He spends a lot of time with music, pop culture, you know. The, Movies, things of that nature, man. He's a he's a really interesting guy for sure. But, but we don't talk a lot of sports together. <laughs> I can imagine that. Uh, can you tell the story of how Val came? Because I haven't heard that story. How Val came to so, work for you all, obviously. <laughs> Val Val moved to West Virginia. Look, people either as, as Val and I like to joke, and I let Val tell the story. But as, as Val and I like to joke, people move for usually for one or two reasons, right? Love or money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she says that she moved here for love and <laughs> stayed here for whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, Val moved here, um, um, I don't know, God, I don't even know how long Val's been there, maybe three years now. Um, and she, and she we, we were, we met her outside of, obviously outside of Smooth Ambler, um, just in the kind of in the community. She was really upbeat and interesting sort of person. Um, I can't remember exactly how we first met Val. I just remember Val coming in and interviewing for the job. And, you know, she's, man, she's like she's shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Super full of energy. She is a really loving, wonderful person. Yeah. Um, she, you talk about somebody who treats everybody like family. You know, Val, is, you know, you've known Val for 10 minutes and she's inviting you to do something, hugging you, thanking you for being there. Uh, you know, she is the one of the most welcoming, most hospitable people I have ever met. Yeah. Uh, and she is amazing at what she does. She is so good for Smooth Ambler and so wonderful for our tasting room. Um, it, 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 she is an absolute wonderful ambassador for for Smooth Ambler. I, I couldn't, I can't say enough wonderful things about uh, about how good Val is, you know. But boy, she is. She's a mess, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I say that in a southern way, yeah. right? Like, she is just, she is always funny and always poking um, and, and, and cutting up. And and she, because she just she just never runs out of energy, you know? You've been around her, man. She's, really, yeah. she's great like that. She's, she's funny as she could be, man. We went down John, to the river last John, time I was in town, uh, and, uh, and uh, she just wanted me to get in the kayak. I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting in a kayak. I'm not doing it. Why not? You can't swim. I was like, no, I don't want to tump over. I, I, I just don't want to get out in the middle of this river and tump over. I'll stay here on the dry land with the booze. You go out the kayak. Uh, that's funny. What were you saying, Tyler? Yeah. No, I was just saying uh, he, he's just speaking so highly on everybody, and I was going to say, you know, you can really say anything you want on here because they're not going to listen to it. <laughs> No man, look, I, I, look, I, you know, I, I don't want mean this to sound cocky, but I'm in a really good position that I don't, at least not at Smooth Ambler. <laughs> I don't have to work with anybody I don't like. That's a blessing. Right? And and I, there's, I don't, there's nobody I don't 
like at work. I love everybody there. I uh, I surround myself with people who who make me better, and I hope I make them better. And uh, they everybody there certainly makes makes me a better person and makes Smooth Ambler better for what they're doing. And they, again, they wouldn't they wouldn't work there if they they weren't. It's not just about me. It's just that's the atmosphere that everybody else there is. It's very different as they are, whether there's, you know, whether they're different politically or whether they're different in their social, social, uh, social circles they run or the activities that they do or, you know, what, what, anything, no matter how different they are, everybody there is with a common goal. And they're, they're trying to make really good whiskey. They're trying to be really good, a really good part of the community. They're proud of the kind of the impact that we're making in the community and, and how we're promoting West Virginia agritourism. And that's not bullshit. Actually, we're getting a sign made. Um, some new sign made for the distillery. I won't, I won't spoil it, but I want you to see it when they come in. Every, everybody has the same goal as Smooth Ambler, so we're we're all behind the same goal there, which is wonderful. Everybody hey, makes you better except for Brandon, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Brandon, Brandon makes us better too, man. Great I'm guy. just joking. I love Brandon. Yeah. Did you have, Tyler, did you have a, you had a couple questions you wanted to ask him, right? Yeah, I mean, but a side note from that, I think I think everything that you've kind of said over the last however long about what you've really tried to build around your brand, I think it really, I think it's reflected in, in a lot of the whiskey you've put out. And you, you've obviously got Chad and uh, Hook, Line, and Sinker with the hospitality, and, and it's I think it's spread out through the whiskey that you guys have released. Uh, I, I've always been a fan, and I think, I think, you know, with Chad and I being, you know, all over the internet with it, and, and really seeing what, what Smooth Amber has to offer, and, and not to mention drinking it all the time, you guys have, have really hit the nail on the head, especially for us. I mean, he and I are huge fans, so um, it, it's really translated, so definitely. Tyler just got a rye today. Oh, wow. Where'd you get that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody somebody blessed me and Chad both with uh, cost of shipping us a couple seven-year ryes, so... Uh, I've got several Smooth Ambler bottles, but that's my first ride, so I'm excited to get it cracked open. What's your favorite uh, store pick so far? Are you Tyler? Tyler? Tyler, I you can't say. Yeah, I can't say. Oh, is he not allowed to say that? Because that's one of my questions for him. Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. I really wanted to know what one of his favorites were. Uh, I would have to say my favorite was uh, probably trying Mythical Beast over there. I know that sounds like such a stereotypical answer. Or such a, such a predictable answer for me because I'm on here with Chad, but uh, I Kiss had the up. pleasure of trying uh, 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 at Ben Pickett's beast, but he, that he snuck uh, he snuck out in a little bottle, so it's unfiltered. Uh, obviously, it's not proof down in the bottle, but it's unfiltered right out of the barrel, and that that was probably my favorite sip of smooth amber I've ever had. Um, but my favorite pick that I have in my house, well, I have a mythical, but it's not opened. Probably this Lincoln Road that I just opened uh, from Jamie Ferris. That's it's out of this world. Uh, the Lion Shares ones I have are really good too. I got a lot of good. Well, not a lot of good ones. I, I'm talking to to John and Chad, so I can't I can't say I have a lot of good ones. Um, Those are a few good ones. Just to say, uh, the, the ones you do have, you got the best ones so far. Yeah, all right. You know, um, there's a there are. Lincoln Road picks. Yeah, there's a lot of really good picks there. Jamie Jamie does a really good job. You know, he we've had people where we sent samples to to them and they've picked. Um, ja- Jamie is about the fastest person you've ever seen picking in your life. <laughs> he he will like go to Kentucky and pick a barrel and then he'll drive he'll drive from Missouri to 
to um, to Mississippi, from Mississippi. Drive from Mississippi to uh, Close Kentucky. Enough. Yeah, I had the M right. I had, the same, <laughs> some the, had some of the same letters in there. So it took me a second. So you know, drive drive from Mississippi. Drive go to to, uh, to Kentucky. Pick some barrels over there, and then like early the next morning, drive over to Smooth Ambler. You know, pull twelve or fifteen barrel samples out. Knows the ones he likes. You know, walk inside the distillery and sit down for 10 minutes and then taste the three or four that he knows that he likes. Take the two barrels, get in his car and drive all the way back to Mississippi. <laughs> like, I mean, he's done in like 45 minutes, man. And and they're all really good. He, you know, he, he does it the same way I do, which is narrow down everything by, by nose. Don't taste anything you don't like the nose of and then get right into it uh, and go to the palate. And so... The guy's done really, really well, and 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 really, we the only stuff that we ever shipped to to Mississippi was for Lincoln, pretty much specifically for Lincoln Road. Uh, Ed does the same thing with the nose. Does he? Yeah, I mean, if that's that's how he's picked every barrel that I've been with him, it's been all nose, and I agree with that. But to a certain extent, sometimes there's some of the. Uh, the 107s you all put out that the nose I didn't care for, but the palate was delicious. And yeah, it's, I just, it's, I don't know. It's just weird. Sometimes you just got to taste it and it's a lot better than the nose. And then the nose can set it up for you too. Well, I can say this. I, I, I should have could, I should have cleared that up, which is, they didn't say that, um, I pick up just from the nose, the way we do it. Yeah. I, I pretty much don't taste anything unless I like the nose. of Okay. It. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's how Jamie does it. You know, but there's, there's wonderful people out there, man. I mean, there's Nima at, at Aster in New York, yeah. and there's, you know, I'm going to forget somebody here, which is going to crush me, right? But there's Alex at NASA. Yeah, Ed, Ed has picked stuff, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've had, we've had lots of really wonderful people pick stuff. Hell, you know, one of the bottles that's near and dear to me is, you know, the Jawbreaker. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Josh Nybert has been one of the, the guys that you know pick came and picked barrels really early on here, and he's you know I don't think he's as active in the in the bourbon scene as he was years ago. But he no. came here and he was also brutally honest with us about stuff he liked and didn't like, and we we poured him you know, we, we we pulled barrel samples here and tasted through a variety of stuff, and he told us what he liked about our young distillate and what he didn't like. And but look, you don't want to you don't want to make it your life's work and somebody tell you that they don't like something, but. You also don't get any better if people are blowing smoke up your ass. Yeah, so that's the truth. He was he was one of those guys that said, "Hey, this is too young, or this is too greeny, or this has an aftertaste I don't like, or whatever that is." He also said, "Hey, I really, really, really like where this is going. Keep doing this." And and so you, we have you know, we have some of that feedback from some in, from industry professionals, and we have some of that feedback from from Josh and from like Nancy Fraley. Do you know Nancy Fraley the nose? Yeah, yeah. So we've had some of that done by Nancy. Um, and, and Josh actually helped us pick, um, helped us create contradiction early on, and gave us some feedback on that. Nice. So a couple of his bottles mean a lot to me. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of them there, man. But the only one that has a hand-drawn label, still a mythical beast, right? You know, I don't, man. I, I don't know. You know, it's funny. <laughs> you, you know, some, you know, some chance is kind of funny is. Uh, when we had the Dramblerie and all those people brought store picks, there were like three bottles there that I don't even remember. <laughs> I, I don't even remember ever bottling them, right? <laughs> because as we got so busy there at the end, right, that John was collecting the stamps and Andy was doing the bottling and 
put the stamp on there. And I just, I, I'd never even seen the stamp. He'd go out the door, and I didn't know a single word, a single word about it. Well, we did eight of them that day, so it had been kind of tough for you to taste all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough for me to taste all of them. That's funny. Tyler, questions? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, of course, my first question I had wrote down was, you know, his favorite all-time picks. But we, we, you know, we kind of briefly touched on that, and we don't want to get too deeply into that. Do you have some that? Do you have some that you would say are some of your favorites? I know you don't have to say what your favorite is, but do you have like a collection of ones you really enjoyed that you tasted? Uh, well, the, my fa- one of my favorite things that I've ever tasted that ever left Smooth Ambler is um, is the very first edition of um, Very Old Scout Fourteen, the okay. stuff we made in two thousand twelve. But not not quite a not not quite a barrel pig, but that's that's delicious juice, <laughs> to say the least. I still it's wish I'd get my hands on one of those. The new ones are delicious too, but the, the new ones are really good. Um, I, I loved it. There's a couple of old Scout tins that I, I drink a whole lot more of the high rye bourbon, but I think that what was that batch 21 that I love so much uh, of old Scout tin that I just fell in love with when I cracked the barrels that they were just different. Have you had uh, 2880? Do you remember offhand? I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. I need to send you a sample I, of that. That's probably my favorite barrel I've ever had, and it was just a plain old single barrel. Oh, really? Yeah. Even more than – I would. that's probably top five with just my – maybe that I'll do that later. I'll give you my top five uh, of my personal pick, my favorite that'd picks. Be, that, that'd be great. So yeah, Because we don't want you the, to pick your favorite because that would be uh, bad news. Yeah, I don't want to be too biased. You know, yeah. one, of the, one of the funny things we did was, was we submitted all those. When we won World's Best Single Barrel last year, um, you know, we submitted that. We really, I literally went into John's office, onto our sample shelf, pulled the first two bottles that have the same uh, barrel number off of them and submitted them. I didn't look at it. I didn't do anything. I don't even, I didn't even know what number it was. So when they told us that we had won, we didn't know we had won the world's best. They just told us we had won an award, and I asked what it was for because I sent two products, and they're a contradiction and that. And turns out we won with both of them. But uh, I had to ask him what the barrel number was. He had to literally call <laughs> oh, geez, somebody up, funny. get the barrel number. And then I had to ask online to get that barrel, if you remember, because we didn't say <laughs> yeah. it. We didn't know it was particularly great. And, and hell, if we'd have known it, we sure as hell wouldn't have sold any of it, right? <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's kind of it's, it's good juice. There's a lot of really, really good barrels there because it was just an everyday barrel. Funny, there, there, funny story barrel. about that is that the time I came into uh, the distillery, I can't remember what it was for. I think I just came one time, just came down to hang out, and uh, Val pulled that bottle out of the one that won, and she was so proud of it, and like it was, it was a treat she was going to give me some of this. And I tried it. I was like, yeah, this is good. And then she gave me some of this bottle that you just had over there, the, t- the regular single barrel that was in the little uh, Lazy Susan on the counter. She pulled it out, poured some of that, and I was like, oh, shit, this is delicious. <laughs> it was 2880 right. versus the one that it had won. I was like, well, I'll take this one over this one. And this one hadn't won any awards you could pick so many of your all's barrels that could have won an award. It would just happen to be that one. I think that's probably right. We, we, we got we were very fortunate about that. Of course, you know 
the older that stuff gets, the better the better it gets. I mean, there'll come a time when it starts to go the other way, but I don't think it's anywhere close to that yet. Yeah, it's well. Well, crazy. in addition to all that, we all know that Chad has a little bit of off palate. So every once in a while, <laughs> his palate is good, but every once in a while, he either loves something that's absolutely awful or he hates something that's super good. So have you ever that's... tasted anything that I loved that was awful? Uh, that's a Tyler question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you give me a minute, I'll no, about it. you're it really wrong. I've never tasted anything that was awful and said it was good. You I made that know. shit up. We did that blind test at the Muggles one time, and you liked oh. something that, that was everybody's worst pick, I, I feel like. You liked that Pappy 15 that everybody had his worst. Yeah, that is true. I had Pappy 15. <laughs> so I don't hear nothing from you. Everybody had it as, as their middle of the road. So you want to, what was your other question you were going to ask uh, John? Uh, I, have a, I have two more questions I want to ask. Sorry I took one over. Of, uh, no, no, you're the host. Uh, one of them was... Uh, Recently on on uh, on Chad and I's local page here in Kentucky, we we saw some um, 1789B bottles that you guys had recently uh, uh, auctioned off for charity and stuff like that. So I hadn't heard anything about that, and I was just curious as to like what the charity you know was about and 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 just those bottles in general because obviously 1789B is, is a pretty big group and. and it's pretty coveted and all that stuff. So I was just kind of curious about those bottles in general and the charity and all that stuff. Well, uh, those are great questions. Um, so last year, 2016, we were hit pretty hard with, um, a flood here in West Virginia. And it, it caused a tremendous amount of damage from personal property to um, you know, commercial property um, caused loss of life. I think there were 14 or 17 lives lost uh, in, in the area. That's a lot. It was, I've, I've been around hurricanes and I've, I've been around um, some tornadoes when I was, when I was younger and it was the worst natural disaster that I had personally seen. And I'm sure there's more stuff out there and you hate to compare them, but it was one of the worst things I had ever seen. And for me, what made it, what made it really terrible was that, um, you know, when you, when you lose something in a flood, it's still there, right? It's still, the, your house is usually still there and everything's still there. It's just, it's just t- ruined, right? So you got to tear it down, you got to tear it down, you got to spend all that, and you got to, you got to basically got to rebuild it. And it was really heavily hit. And we, we tried to do what, what little bit we thought we could do at the time, living in it. It was basically just cooked a lot of meals. We raised some money at the time for that, for that charity, and and some and some Smooth Ambler fans contributed to to that cause. Uh, and sent things here, you know, things that they knew that people in floods might need, you know, electrical cords and fans and, uh, you know diapers and wipes and you name it people set stuff here and candy was, and, and, uh, candy absolutely and um thank you for that Chad. <laughs> oh no problem and, oh my god <laughs> that's what he contributed I, I <laughs> candy and, and gum love it. yeah absolutely and and so um you know when when the hurricane hit houston and, and affected everybody then we we didn't really know what to do i mean it's sometimes it's hard to know what to do as a business and you, you certainly certainly want to help but you also and, and you want to promote it because you want to be able to raise money but you also don't really want to promote it because you don't want to feel like you're you're promoting it to for the business you're really promoting it to raise money right it's a hard thing to do to make sure you're not 
people don't think it's cheesy. So hurricane happened in Florida, and we, we, we wanted to respond, and we said, hey, we're thinking about we'll figure out something to do, and, and, and we'll try to raise some money. And then, of course, we had another hurricane that hit, you know, Puerto Rico and Florida, and then, you know, we had these fires. And so we, we, what we tried to do is to find an organization that we felt like that serviced all those. And we found a company called, an organization called Team Rubicon, and they they use military veterans, and they deploy those veterans into the areas. And sometimes they're just doing grunt work, right? They're moving things out of out of damaged houses and moving things into homes after they've been repaired, and help people collect their belongings. I mean, sometimes it's really just basically like being a laborer and and helping in the community. And and we I'm not sure how we heard about them. John Foster heard about them, and then. We were trying to do some research, and as it turned out, the very next day, a friend was raising, or a couple days later, a friend was raising some money on Facebook, knew some folks who worked at Team Rubicon, knew somebody that worked up there in the, in the financial department of Team Rubicon, uh, thought about how wonderful they were. They get rated really well on a charity charity watchdog sites. Uh, and so we, we basically just decided that we were going to auction some bottles off, and the money that was raised from that would go to, would go to Team Rubicon. So what we did was we took a collection of uh, of a variety of, of spirits from Smooth Ambler, uh, some of which had been auctioned off before. The 1789B bottles had already been auctioned off at one most of them had already been auctioned off at one point in time uh, or another. A large portion of those, we, we had an auction one time, and one of our investors bought a lot of bottles, donated the money, and then gave the bottles right back to Smooth Ambler so we could donate them again. Oh, nice. Um, and so we, we took some of those barrels and some single barrels what where most of these bottles came from is so when we bottle a single barrel up and let's say it's 26 cases and two bottles most distributors won't take the partial bottles they just take the 26 cases so the two bottles are what we call remnants and so we take those bottles and and sometimes we drink them <laughs> and well we pay tax we pay taxes on the federal excise tax we do it just like normal we, we do that we're very very religious about doing that but we put them into like a sample room and then from a sample room we once they've already been tax paid on, we sometimes we'll drink them. Sometimes we'll, you know, we, we ship them out of state, whatever that is, um, for um, yeah, for John to do like a uh, like a tasting. He might take like a private pick somewhere and just, just do that as part of like one of his one of his events. But we, we most of them we saved, or a lot of them we saved, and the bottles that we auctioned off were the remnant remnant bottles or bottles that people had donated. We had. Uh, like Adam Renzi, Renzi donated a bottle, and 1789 B guys donated a couple other bottles. We had a variety of people who who took bottles. They party source donated two bottles of uh, George T. Stag for the auctions, and and so we we had about a hundred. We thought it was going to be like two hundred bottles. It turns out that we pared it down because we just didn't think we could get through it. Not about not because we didn't have enough bottles. I think we ended up auctioning off like a hundred and thirty five or a hundred and forty five bottles, and. Um, I can tell you what we raised here. It was, um, oh, I'm sure it's a big number, man. Well, you know, we, we, it wasn't crazy. We, we, yeah. we did it kind of, we did it kind of locally. We we're super excited about it. Um, the event raised $26,358 and 61 cents for team Rubicon. So $26,000 went to, went to the, uh, went to team Rubicon. I was so sad. I had to miss that event. It, it was a good time, man. Yeah, imagine. We, we held it. We held it in northern Kentucky. Kentucky makes it easy, right, because of all the distilleries there. They have some laws that, that make donations a lot easier and set that up pretty well. And 
Um, Covington. Renaissance Covington, which is another nonprofit in, in Kentucky. They took, they basically took the bar and the rest of the proceeds went to Team Rubicon. So everything was donated to charity. Smooth Ambler basically paid for the event. So we paid for the food and the drink and, and the space and, and all of that. And then all the money that was spent actually went to, went to charity. Well, I tell you, this, this Team Rubicon thing, I've never heard of it. That sounds like the most genius thing I've ever heard because you constantly hear stories about, you know, soldiers that can't either get work or just the different struggles that they have once they're not soldiers anymore. And can you think of anyone better to go into a hospital situation like that than soldiers who are ready to help? Like, I, I literally, that was like an epiphany when you just told me that story. I was like, that's incredible. What a great we, idea. We thought it was wonderful, too. And, um, we, you know, it... I don't know if our twenty six thousand dollars is a lot of money to those guys or a little bit, but we're we're going for us. It was it was what we thought we could do and and what we thought we could put together. And every little bit counts. And if every business went out there and raised you know twenty thousand dollars, I think a lot of these charities would be in much better much better shape. So it was near and dear to our heart. We, we tried to do our little part to 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 make sure that we were trying to help folks, whether they were whether in their, whether in our I mean, look, they are in our community. They just happen to be in our bourbon community. And so somebody out there is going to get some help that, 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 that they deserve. Um, and we're glad we can do our little part. And we're glad that our fans, these are, you know, I knew so many of these people at the auction. And we're really, really glad that these people are passionate about Smooth Ambler. That these, like also, they get a chance to get bottles that they, they can't get anywhere. So, it, it, look, man, it's a win-win for everybody. We were really excited about it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. There's a reason why they're passionate. It's the people with Smooth Ambler. Man, we're you know we're, we're out here busting our ass. Man, we, we we make mistakes for sure, but we're out here we're out here trying really really hard to try to be good people and, and to make really good whiskey and and uh, yeah, I guess that's it really to be good people <laughs> to be really good people to be really good people to make really good whiskey uh, and, and that's that's really our goal. What a policy. Okay, so I guess I'll ask you one last question before uh, before you and Chad talk a little bit about basketball. Um, you know, I think at our next podcast, Chad and I, because the end of the year is coming around, we're going to talk about um, our whiskey of the year, and uh, he and I will probably be a little bit more specific. Obviously, I don't, you know, I don't want you to, to do anything you can't do and, and say, you know, your absolute favorite, but I just want to hear about maybe some of the stuff that you've tried uh, this year that you really think stands out to you as far as, as the best things that you've tried. And I, and you can go as far as to say, you know, that 14 year, uh, BOS that you guys uh, released this year, you could go ahead and say that cause I had it and it was phenomenal or at least one barrel of it. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain as like a, as a prelude to what Chad and I will probably talk about on our next podcast as to what whiskeys you really, really enjoyed this year. Um, I, I did love the 14 this year. I picked the uh, the barrel that I liked the best was uh, on the 14. I think it was 6298. Um, I think it was 6298, 6300, and 6301 maybe. But I like 6298. I think that was the number off of it. That's the one so I like too. One of the three barrels of the 14. I loved it. Um, yeah, 14 on low ride. Thought it was wonderful. I had uh, outside of the Smooth Ambler family. I had. Uh, William LaRue Weller when I was in London a couple months ago. Uh, I, I tasted all through the entire B, you know, the, the BTAC collection or the BTAC uh, NT collection and that was the one I, I, mean, I tasted all through every one of them in about 15 minutes, right? <laughs> uh, and quick, quick at a whiskey show. I liked it a whole lot. I wish I'd had some time to spend with it. Uh, I had the Four Rows 50th anniversary, the Al Young 
I, I, I loved it. I had quite a bit of it also in London. Thought it was wonderful. Um, uh, I had some red breast style. Have you tried the Kentucky Owl Rye this year? I have not had it. I'll have to bring it down next time I come. Or over. Yeah, you send me a smooth ambler, I'll send you a full bottle of uh, of Kentucky All Right right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking at all. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually going on a a hunting trip three weeks from now, and uh, uh, Samuel is going to, uh, and that is Nathan Ron's Ron's Kentucky Owl. Uh, uh, Dixon. Dixon Deadman. Dixon Deadman. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I'm excited. D- uh, Little's really into uh, Dusty's, right? Yeah, I, I, I certainly like some of the old stuff, yeah. Every time I've tasted whiskey with you, it's always been uh, older stuff. That's uh, I can't remember what the, uh, the bottle was I brought. Man, it was so old. Brett gave it to me to bring to you last time, and then Ed brought me that. gave me that uh, wild turkey to bring for you to taste. But you weren't even there when I came last time. The seventy nine guys have, have hooked me up with some of that stuff in the past. Mike Dzinski has brought some dusties in here that have been pretty spectacular. And, that dude's that dude's uh, awesome. Josh, Josh Nybert. What? Who? Mike? Yeah, both of them actually. Josh. I, Josh. Every one of those guys too. are amazing, man. Every. That's the crazy thing about this business. All of the people that we meet, I mean, all these people that I'm not even mentioning, right? They're just, there's so many wonderful people here, you know? I mean, come Greg Jensen, man. The guy will fly all the way over oh, the yeah. country to go to a park and smooth ambler. And, and, <laughs> and, and, awesome. and give, you the, give you the shirt off his back. Actually, give you the shirt off his back. Greg Jensen came in here one time, and our investor, Greg Parsegan, so it was me and my, what was me and my father-in-law, and a guy named Greg Parsegan, who... He's been our partner since the very beginning, been a friend of ours just before we started the business. Um, and then he's still in the business now that NBV. So it's Greg and I and NBV are still the, the three owners in the business. And Greg Jensen comes in here to smooth down, but this is like a year ago. Greg Parsegan, our investor, has got this shirt on. We haven't made in like four years. It's like a like a bowling shirt with smooth ambler logo yeah. on it. Greg Jensen likes it a whole lot. Greg Parsegan says, well, uh, here, you take it. If you like it that much, you take it. And so Greg sure literally gave Greg Jensen the shirt off of his back. And, uh, I mean, what a hell of a great story to tell. Right? <laughs> Just, I, mean, I mean, I'm currently in search of old smooth ambler shirts right now, actually. So I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not joking. I got a few uh, in my drawer. Funny as hell. I've got so many that are just torn up. That's why I should have saved one from everything we've made because we've made some great shirts over the years. Uh, and, and I just wear them and wear them and wear them out and then you know, throw, put, them in a, put them in a rag jar or something. I got one that got baked beans spilled on it. It's just got a huge stain still. Just a huge oh, grease stain from baked beans. That's rude. <laughs> I don't get ruined from cooking bacon or whatever, right? I'm cooking something like that. I get grease splattered up on them. I can't take them. I can't wear them out anymore. <laughs> Well, technically, you can. You probably shouldn't because you are the face of the company. That's exactly right. <laughs> Anything else, Tyler? You have any other questions? I mean, shit. I mean, I mean, we're already in an hour. I mean, I can 
Well, you've got you've got him at your disposal. If you have a question, you might as well ask it while you can. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my whole question was, you know, with the with the obsessions that I have. Go there. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear us, John? Uh oh, we lost the champ. Hello, John. There he is. I can hear him. (laughs) Did I just lose y'all? John, you there? We can hear you. He might have accidentally tap, tapped mute because we can hear him still. Hit on mute. Huh? You hear us? Yeah, I heard it not. It, said okay. it came up and said my connection was poor. Oh, well, that's West Virginia for you. That's West Virginia. Are Come you on, back? Man, it's a great state. Yeah, right. you've made a team that way with your stories. I'm starting to believe go, you. Go yeah, ahead, Tyler. Team. Finish your questions for his connection kills out again. Yeah, I don't know what I was saying. I think I was just saying something about... Uh, about uh, my love for Smooth Ambler, and I don't know. Golly, what the hell was I saying? Uh, that Oh, yeah, that I was just super excited about kind of picking his brain on his favorite picks. But like you know, like you said, we can't really get too much into that. And he's answered that question already, too. He's, he's name-dropped he's name dropped some good ones. And we both John have. just went video. Uh, yeah, I want to hear, uh, I wanna hear uh, Chad's top five, and then you guys talk about some, uh, about some basketball. You there, John? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I think you've turned your video on. Well, I turned my video on? Yeah, I could see. You wearing you sunglasses? No, man, screw you. I got my old man <laughs> self-tech glasses on. He's killing it. He may never have done a podcast before, but he looks like he knows. Oh. There we go. John's no, seriously, just, it just automatically kicked on. I don't know why John's done more podcasts than you and I combined, and we've only oh, done six. So, my top... Five smooth ambler picks of all time, or smooth ambler of all time. Uh, very old scout, not withholding. Uh, in no certain order, Prav. Really? Prav That's one, crazy. Prav two, twenty eight eighty, mythical, and uh, Annapolis Whiskey Society, the the circular label. Wow. Interesting. I can't believe you didn't throw a corking bottle in there, man. That high proof corking bottle was really good. Corking bottle nine. Uh, well, one nineteen was. Uh, one nineteen. That's what I'm talking about. One nineteen was in the running to be uh, mythical beast. It was between that and one nineteen for mythical beast. What we picked in one nineteen. So yeah. Some, some good picks, man. Those are my top five. Not only because I uh, drew the label and did the sticker and. You know, nah, all that uh, good. tater mythical shit. <laughs> Speaking about wonderful people, man, Prov, God, he's just, he's the best, man. Dude, that dude is wild. With his uh, gold uh, glasses, a tiny, there, tiny guy. There's so many wonderful people in this business. He's such a great guy. He, you know, he's just fun, fun to be around. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're really lucky to work in this business. I still want to know why you're wearing sunglasses in the dark. I'm not wearing sunglasses, man. I have these old man tinted glasses, but I'm just sitting in the dark, man. They're Are those dark. blue blockers? You trying to catch fish? Hey, that's messed up, man. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I have these. Uh, I have these. I'm old now, right? So I have these transition lenses. Those are cataracts glasses. So, so when <laughs> I'm in the sun, they're dark, and they they seem really really good because I don't have to switch back and forth from glasses, eyeglasses, to sunglasses, except. Uh, when I wear now, I just wear one pair. Except I look like the old person in the room because <laughs> I, have transition, I have transition lenses on. But whatever, I like them. So well, that's all that matters. 
Yeah, it's true. I've been wearing glasses since the first grade. Don't let nobody give you a hard time. Uh, there you go. Perfect. A story from my dad speaking that, that that's all that matters. I had some girls over one time. Chick had some shiny pants on. Uh, like shiny maroon pants. He walks in, drunk as hell. Looks at her and says, you like those pants? She said, yes. He said, well, that's all that matters. And walks away. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. Man, if, you, if you like them and you can rock them, then you should wear them, right? I, well, yeah, I guess. I don't think that's what he meant by that, but yes, I, I, uh, I think you are right. Well, my dad means a lot of things he doesn't mean. So, uh, I guess we'll, uh, Tyler, any more questions? Um, I mean, that I have written down, no. I mean, I'm sure I can think of something off the top of my head, but you well, guys, I mean. Like I said, we're already at an hour now. You guys should probably tear it up. We'll start talking about some basketball, and then if you think of it as something you want to ask where we end, you can close with it. Yeah, yeah, good idea. So, Mr. Little. Yes. Duke basketball. How did you become a fan of Duke, by the way? Um, you know, I, I grew up in eastern North Carolina. Okay. And and when you, when you grow up there, everybody pulled for, at the time, everybody really pulled for NC State. Or Carolina. NC State had just like in '82. I mean, shit, man, I'm old, right? So I graduated high school in '90. Um, NC State had won one, I think, in '82, '83. North Carolina had won, maybe North Carolina won in '82, and State won in '83. With you know, uh, Valvano's one national championship, and and so uh, in '84, I guess. 84, 85, I actually, I was part of this group that went and took the SAT in the seventh grade. They thought I was really smart, <laughs> and it uh, turns, out, turns out they were wrong, but I, I, I went to Duke and took the SAT, fell in love with the school. At the time, they were the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they hadn't won anything. Coach K had never won a championship. Um, they had had a program, but certainly not like they do now, and I just started pulling for Duke, and and I pulled for them because I, I I didn't want to pull for State or Carolina, and that's really how I became a. I, I was always pulling for the underdog, and of course now it's a very different situation. Right? Yeah. All the uh, all the grief I get. Uh, Not really. I, I have I, 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 fans. I have people that I don't talk to. Like literally, I don't talk to like in a, all year. And if Duke loses, they'll send me a text message, <laughs> I, and I just think. God, I don't even I don't even speak to you anymore. Now you're calling me. I, I might not even have the game on. You know? <laughs> it used to mean a lot to me, but um, I, I'm less interested now when I can't control the outcome of the situation, <laughs> and or or, I'm, or my kids are part of it. So um, you know, it, it means a lot less to me than it used to. But don't get me wrong; it's um, 99 is still a bitter year for me. <laughs> well, you haven't had to worry about losses until recently. Yeah, well, uh, the, uh, the the 99 season was really rough when Duke went, was so powerful and lost to Kentucky and yeah. uh, sorry, lost to Connecticut in the um, in the championship game. That was that was rough. So, I'm still bitter about it. Still bitter about it. I can tell you brought that up immediately. 99. I, I'm still bitter I about it. I was only 14 then. I'm 33 yeah. now. Jesus. I think it was 97 or 98 when Duke had a had a big lead against Kentucky, and y'all came back. Beat us. I think that was in the Elite Eight. Came back. Or 98. 
98, yeah, it must have been 98 for chance. God, we were up big, maybe like 15 points, I think, 17 points, and y'all came back and beat us. Well, what about uh, Christian Leitner stepping on Amino Timberlake's chest and then hitting a jumper at the end? Look, you know, it's, a little, <laughs> it's a little bit like I was talking about earlier, right? When you, if people people can say whatever, but if Christian Leitner played for your school, you loved him. And if he plays for anybody else, you have to hate the guy. <laughs> I, I don't care for him. Yeah, I, look, man, I, mean, he's, I don't even think people on, I don't even think his own teammates love him. <laughs> so, um, but the guy was unbelievable playing basketball, right? At college. In college, college, yeah. No, and he didn't have, you know, he's not like he had a crazy, he's not like he had an awful career in NBA. He no. wasn't terrible in the NBA. No, but he was a stallion in college, though. You were right about oh, that. Yeah, he was, he was one of the best players that ever played, right? Yeah, in college. He was. Yeah. So what yeah. what do you think your outlook for Duke Blue Devils this year is? Uh, I th- I think they're going to have a lot of really good games where they are going to wear people out and and look a lot better than they are. <laughs> I do believe they have, if not the best, one of the top two or three best players uh, in the country with Marvin Bagley. Yes, uh, I, they don't play defense. No, and um, I'm not complete. I'm not Kentucky. They, I haven't seen Kentucky play this year. I've only seen their record. What are they, 8-1 and one or 9-1 and one now? Yeah, they lost one game to Kansas. Yeah, right. Just by, 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 like by two or four points, right? 62-64 or something? Yeah, like it was close. It was close, yeah. So, you know, Duke has, I mean, Duke has come back a bunch of crazy, crazy runs. But, man, they've been down by 17 points to nobodies. Not nobodies, but certainly they've been down a lot of points to teams that shouldn't be hanging around with them. They don't they don't play defense. They've gone back and forth from man to you know if Coach K is playing zone, they're struggling playing D. <laughs> and and uh, they just can't stop anybody. I don't expect them to do as well as other people might expect them to do because I don't think they play defense. That's that's probably what I would say for Kentucky too. I mean Coach Cal's actually doing zone this year, and he has been anti-zone for as long as I could tell. But the length they have, they just they don't have any choice. Yeah. Um, same, same thing. That's what, that's what, that's what Duke, I mean, Duke's huge. If there was one uh, college kid that I could choke slam, it'd be Grayson Allen. I'm just going to say out loud, that's the, tr- that's the truth. Yeah. He's I, a, I think he's a I punk. I don't know what his deal was with the whole tripping thing. I don't really understand that. He's so, balling out um, of control this year, but he just looks like a kid I would not get along with. Yeah, I, he, he he certainly had some he certainly had a, some issues there. <laughs> well, it takes, it takes a certain type of person to like Chad as well, too, and I don't mean that entirely. Oh, but that's rude. You know, <laughs> a lot of people like Chad, but you know, it takes a certain type of person. That's funny, man. Uh, that's funny. I don't hey. agree with that at all. Everybody loves me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, hey, as far as I know, Chad, Chad hadn't tripped anybody on the. Uh, I, I, you know, look, well, again. That's again, as far I, as you like, know. I, I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, love to, I love to pick on, uh, you know, obviously Duke's big rival is, is you know, I mean, all the, every time, you know, obviously Kentucky, but every you know, twice a year at least, sometimes three times a year is, is Carolina. So every little perceived 
thing that I find about a North Carolina uh, athlete, I love to I love to poke fun at. I mean, look, their whole organization, man, basically cheated for twenty five yes. years, didn't go to class. So, and they they just swept all that under the rug and act like it was no big deal. But um, and they're an academic university. <laughs> yeah, but we that's I mean look, that's all that's all really being done honestly very sweetly right because I, I know lots of people who went to Carolina. My sister went to went to stepsister went to Carolina and. Um, Sorry. You know, obviously, it's a very good school, and uh, if, if I can tell you this, if my if my kid played ball at at Kentucky or at Carolina, I'd be wearing Kentucky or Carolina colors. <laughs> so I, I I hate them when we play against them because they're not part of my tribe. You know. Did you did your stepsister take uh, African American studies? Uh, she actually graduated from their uh, Kenan Flagler School of Business. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I guess it wasn't that then. She did not go to... I thought you were that. breaking some news right now. I was waiting to hear for some classes and some tests, maybe. She did not go to any fake classes, as far as I know. <laughs> Damn yeah, it! I mean, he sounded, he sounded legit. He just named it the school that she went to. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> I believe him. That's a beautiful <sighs> campus. Actually, Duke and North Carolina both have beautiful campuses. They better. They charge so much for tuition. Shit, it better be fucking goddamn gorgeous there. You know, I tell you, you see a lot of Kentucky fans here. Um, We're everywhere. Yeah, you really do. I mean, especially the further you get. I mean, obviously, when you get from Huntington, you know, from, from Charleston over toward Huntington, around the western part of the state here, tons of people go there, um, you know, from here. So uh, my my wife's one of my wife's really good friends. One of the, one of the girls she works with, she went to the school of nursing at University of Kentucky. So she she knows I'm not a Kentucky fan. So she likes to she likes to uh, give me grief about that. I have never met your wife. I need to meet her next time I'm in town. I met oh yeah yeah. I met Little's a, wife or uh, Foster's wife. Yeah, yeah. She, Rebecca, she's wonderful too. She went to high school with my brother. Did she really? Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Cause were there that's right yeah uh, they were they were talking there at the bar right yeah my brother was there at the very old scout i brought him there because of my love he was infectious you bought him there so you could get an extra bottle of very old scout uh, well exactly i i never touched that bottle I, he doesn't I'm, have it either so i'll just say that i'm getting out of our mood somebody though huh? no, absolutely not hey, we had a guy bring his grandma for that thing yes i remember that he was standing in line I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, man. If you're gonna get up and you're gonna get your grandma up and you're gonna spend all day with your grandma, good for you. Or absolutely yeah. sell your grandma a bottle of a bottle of whiskey, and we're tickled to death that you spend the day with her. Go buy some more whiskey and spend some more <laughs> day with your grandma. I have to give uh, just because we're speaking on this. I have to give Ryan McGuire a shout out because he listens to all these, and uh, I've literally became friends. I've been I've known my, Ryan McGuire for like 14 years, maybe longer. But I've literally became friends with his grandfather, who's an old pilot. I mean, he's got to be like 80-something years old, still trucking, always wants to talk about his time in the military. He's the nicest guy in the world. And I've gone to tours, uh, distillery tours with him. I've sat in line with him. And he always is going to get bottles for Ryan, to hold them for Ryan and shit like that. Like, that is the epitome of it. And he spends time with his grandpa. It's absolutely the epitome of what we're talking about right now, and it's fantastic. He's the coolest guy ever. I, that, that's absolutely wonderful, man. I tell you, if you know you, um, I had a really special relationship with my with my grandmother. And, um, and, you know, 
come from a single single mom, you rely on a lot of other people right to help take care of you. Uh, I, I tell my kids now to spend as much time as they can with their with their grandkids, and they don't always uh, with their grandparents, and they don't always understand that. And uh, I think it's really wonderful that uh, pe- people spending time with their grandparents and listen to the, all the stuff that they know. Some of it, most of it, relevant whether it, whether it, or sorry, most of it very good advice whether it fits the time or not. Um, they, they learn a lot in whatever seventy years. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Tyler, any more questions before we uh, close this out? Um, you know, I, I'm just trying to get some special information, you know, for, for our 40 viewers here. I'm just trying to think, you know, we've heard about the new Rick houses and stuff coming. Is there anything else? Um, is there anything else coming that people don't know anything about that you might be able to, to drop on us without getting yourself in any trouble? No, nah, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to get any trouble. The, well, he um, owns it. Yeah, well, that's a good point. <laughs> we, we, we have uh, we're, we're working on Contradiction Rye. Might be another year before it comes out, but Contradiction Rye will come out. Some stuff we make and some stuff that we've sourced. Um, it'll be a blend. I'm assuming is that it, what you're saying? Yeah, everything with Contradiction will be stuff that we marry. Right? It'll be a marriage of house-made distillate and somebody else's distillate. Mm-hmm. We've been planning that for a couple of years actually, and so uh, it might be another year before it comes out, but. We're excited about it. I think, the, I think the, the component pieces are really good. We'll have to work on the final blends, but the component pieces are very, very good. Um, we tasted one of our five-year-old rye barrels at the at the Dramblerie in August, mm. and we're really excited about where it is. Yes. So um, all that's really good. We'll, we'll bring out some more weeded bourbon that we think is better than the batch one. We weren't displeased with batch one, but we, we obviously know we have work to do, and uh, we'll, we'll bring out some more of that that's older uh and also made made uh look when we first started we had never made whiskey before so we think we we got really really good we got pretty good about two years after we opened and we got really good about three and a half years after we opened we felt like and so the certainly the whiskey that we're putting in the barrel today is better than the whiskey that we put in the barrel six months ago because if we're not getting better we might as well stop doing it right Mm -hmm. that's true um uh, but so we'll have some we'll have some batch two weeded bourbon coming out probably after the first of the year. Uh, we'll start to release a few things that we did. We did some experimental things like a, a, product, a product called um, Triple Malt, which is sixty. It's a bourbon. It's sixty percent corn, and the other forty percent is rye malt, wheat malt, and barley malt. And and we just did some ex, we did some experimental barrels of it years ago and like it. I haven't made as much really mostly in the, in the last two years because we've mostly been focusing on um you know just other production and then we have a product called 50 50 which was originally made right so bourbon is either corn rye and malted barley or corn wheat and malted barley we we took the the two flavor grains out so we made a spirit that is just rye and just wheat which i don't know of any product that's made that way and and we made some of that i've never heard of that it's amazing in the, it has a little bit of malt, but the, the concept was 50-50, half and half, but it's actually a rye whiskey, but the concept's called 50-50, so it was meant to be 50% rye, 50% wheat, but of course, if you only have, 50, if you only do that, you wouldn't, you would have, you wouldn't have rye whiskey, you wouldn't have wheat whiskey, you'd just have, you know, something else, so we adapted it so we could fit into the straight rye whiskey category, and it's amazing, a pain in the ass to make, but amazing, We're, we'll bring some of that out probably in the Yeah, fall. that sounds different. 
Yeah, it's great. We'll bring some of that in the fall. We'll bring out limit, some more limited edition rye sometime this year, and we'll bring out some more very old scout later in the nice. So we have a lot of new, really interesting things coming out. We think 2018 will be the calendar year will be a really, really interesting year for a bunch of different products we're bringing out. And then, of course, American whiskey is getting older. American whiskey, you know, some people who didn't quite like it as much as um, we might have hoped. We understand why. Uh, it's older, man. It's like 16 or 18 months older than it was when we first brought it out. For a 10-year-old product, that doesn't mean much. But for a four- or five-year-old product, you know, 16 months is a, is a lot of time, right? Yeah. So it's significantly older. Bottling at 107 proof has is, is made a huge difference to you. Know, we're doing a lot of 107 proof versions of that. So lots of really cool stuff coming down the pipe for us. We're really excited about that. We're able to reach more people now with our new with our new arrangement. So and tons of stuff coming out. Yeah, I would say just from what I've seen and, you know, what do I know? But, you know, I think uh, with the original 107 American Whiskey, you guys kind of released, um, you know, the feedback has kind of been mixed. But, like, some of the newer store picks that are coming out, people are kind of giving some of the particular ones, you know, good ratings. So I think that only kind of goes to show that, yeah, as it ages a little bit longer, you guys might have some really good product coming. Look, man, it's 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 hard to be in business as a, as a young company and – and to wait and wait and wait, but you know, we brought some stuff out. You know, I think American whiskey was you know four and a half, five years old when it first came out. Now it's I think everything's over six years old now, and it makes a big difference. And it, so not only is it not only is it you know, look a year at five years old, a year is twenty percent. At ten years old, it's only ten percent, right? And of course, that curve also slows down. So the difference of one year at four or five years old is huge. Mm-hmm. From ten to eleven, it's it's noticeable. Maybe it's a little bit noticeable, but not that much. So we, you know, it's gotten older, and we we also barrel it at 107 proof, and it's and instead of 99 proof, and so those two things have made a significant difference. And and uh, we're we've been shocked at how much better the, the whiskey is at, at just by changing you know, eight points. Um, and so we're really excited about where it is. It's, it's only going to get better. Uh, speaking about the the weeded whiskey, uh, just from my vision on on facebook and seeing people's reviews uh were you all i know you weren't there was some mixed reviews about the original batch that i'm sure you all have taken back to the uh the drawing board to uh figure out for the next one uh some very vocal people that i'm sure you've heard from on facebook uh what are you all planning on doing for batch two to to i, I know you learned from batch one what on batch two is going to be the difference? Well, you know, you can't go back to the drawing board. And yeah. Exactly go back to the drawing board because it's whiskey you made years ago. Well, I know that I've had it straight from the barrel and I thought it was delicious. <clears throat> but you can't, you can't, you don't have enough product to do that. Well, a, a couple of things, a couple of things that, that's very a very smart thing. One is we could do that. Probably we could bring it out as a cast strength only version. And it is, as you know, as you mentioned, it is significantly better at cast strength yes. than it is at, at a hundred proof. And of course, all young whiskey should be like that because the more and more you dilute it, the, the more likely it is for the fall to show up. Mm-hmm. And the more, and the, the weaker, the, the weaker the spirit gets, I mean, the more diluted the flavor gets, right? I think that's probably the same reason a lot of these master distillers drank whiskey at a much lower proof mm-hmm. than, 
you know, than what the average what the average person would do is because you know, the more you dilute it, the more able you are to know some of those flaws. Um, th- this is whiskey we first made. We, we, we try not to put anything, or we don't think we put anything to a bottle that we're not proud of. Yeah. But but can it be better? Absolutely. So what what we're doing on that is um, this is significantly older. So the last batch we brought out was early in '16. So this batch is basically going to be almost a year older when it comes out. So the same sort of thing, five and a half year old whiskey. This is going to be six and a half year old whiskey. Well, I mean, the, the, whiskey, the whiskey that we made early on, you know, we were making whiskey off of a pot still for a number of years, and we were taking very narrow cuts. We were taking a big heads cut out. We were taking a big tails cut out, and so it was very narrow. I actually think the whiskey was too clean, and what that didn't that create didn't create is enough body in the whiskey, mm. um, and and so you got you pick up some of, maybe some astringent notes in there, and and, and of course probably. And some youth in there. It doesn't have enough time to sort of create some of that creamy pro- profile. It doesn't, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's not enough stuff to interact with the barrel to give it all those, you know, to, to, all those congeners that, you know, that, that become, that esterify and become other products. I, I don't think there's enough of that in the barrel. And, and so we, we changed that over the, over the years. Um, and so we're continuing to, we'll, we'll continue to get into what we believe is better and better whiskey. Um, again, we, like I said earlier, we've sent samples to Jim Rutledge and, you know, Jim gives us feedback on what he thinks our white dog tastes like and what he thinks our, our, our aged whiskey tastes like. And, and when Jim Rutledge tells you that you've made significant strides in the quality of your whiskey and this is really delicious white dog, you, you think you pretty much got it going in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, over the years we, we did that. And so this whiskey is going to be older. We'll probably blend it with actually some younger whiskey. Mm-hmm. that has more body in the whiskey, right? So we'll get some of the mature notes off of the older stuff that maybe is not quite enough body, and then we'll hope that we're, with the younger whiskey, we're adding more body and that maybe doesn't have quite the maturity in it. So for us, that'll be an exercise over the next couple of years until we get into some some more consistent whiskey. We're not ashamed of what we're putting out. We're not going to put it into a bottle if we're not proud of it, but I really, really, really like where we're heading with batch two. And look, there's going to be some people that don't like it. There's going to be some people that won't buy it because of the way it, you know, what they thought it tasted like the first time, or even maybe they didn't even taste it. They just heard about it, and that's okay, man. We can't be everything to everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're going to try to, we're going to continue to put out really good stuff. We'll, we're, we'll take. Look, we're going to take some hits. One of the things that John and I talk about a lot is we. Every time we put out a product now, no matter what it is, it's going to be compared to a cask strength. 11-year-old cast-strength single barrel. Yes. Oh, I don't like this American whiskey as much as I like their single barrel. Well, you shouldn't because one's $35 a bottle and one is $65 a bottle. And and we, we price those accordingly because one is older and we've lost more and all those wonderful things. And so, but unfairly, we're going to get compared to that. And that's, we understand that. And that's okay. Um, we're we're going to continue to put out really good whiskey. And, and I think we would have sold three or four times as much we did bourbon if we'd have had it, and we didn't have it. So I don't think it's going to be a problem selling it. Again, we wouldn't put it out if we were if we were disappointed in it. But there will be some critics of it. And and honestly, I, Chad, you, you guys look. Both of you guys are on these face, Facebook pages all the time. I, I see the same product on one Facebook group getting loved, and you'll turn the page three days later, and you'll be on a different group, and everybody's crushing the same bottle. They yeah. don't like it. They don't like that flavor profile. There's a tons of products that are polarizing, including contradiction. So, 
uh, lots of those really, really polarizing products, and I, I just don't think you can make everybody happy. We're not, we're not going to try to make everybody happy. We're going to try to continue to get better and continue to make a really good product, and, and hope that, and hope that we'll, we, we find our, our consumer. And that's that's exactly why I asked that question because that's what I told everybody when I was having discussions with people about the, the products. <clears throat> Most people are comparing it to, like you said, a single barrel, very old scout or a old scout single barrel, and I mean you can't compare it. It's it's new make that you all produced in West Virginia, all made from you completely all. Completely different mash bills. Yes, sure. it's completely different, but people see smooth ambler and they expect this but when you are you're still a, a micro distillery for the most part or you get larger obviously but you're still this is your first distillate so i mean it's you're still learning at the same time that you're growing absolutely um and that's my and that's what i preach yeah you know we we're Exactly. You're exactly right. And, and there's nothing we can do about that. We can just keep, we can keep working hard and keep trying to, um, you know, keep trying to put out really good products and, and, and work to get better and try to please more people. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I have a problem. So I, I, it's one of the things I do. So if there's, if we, if we have a hundred people sample our product and 70 of them love it and 20 of them are indifferent, and ten can't can't stand it. I focus on those ten. And every business person in the world would tell you that is the worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> right? You want to focus on the seventy that love it. That's they're your customers. Remember, the, half the world doesn't think Pepsi tastes very good, and they seem to have done just fine. <laughs> so That's a good point. You, you know, so uh, it, it's it's again, it's hard to be everything to everybody. We, we have work to do, and we're going to work tirelessly until we get there. And that, that involves taking every single aspect of our operation. Grain, again, we just got new grain testing equipment, right? So we can test for alpha toxin. Or we, we get all these tests again, you know, whether, whether grain has toxin. We get these from the farmer. But we want to be able to check individual batches and code individual batches ourselves, check for non, you know, check to make sure our grains are not genetically modified. So for nothing else, then when we tell people we buy non-GMO grains, we know 100% for sure, right? Not because we necessarily believe GMO is better or worse than non-GMO, because honestly, I'm not sure Smooth Ambler with our, with our, you know, with, with with our limited staff can give you that scientific experiment. But if we tell people it's A, we want it to be A, and we're we're, we're looking at everything, whether it's yeast, whether it's enzymes, whether it's how we distill, how long we. And what proof we're running off the beer steel? What proof we're running off the doubler? How often we clean the doubler? You know, uh, what proof we barrel at? What the temperatures are we barrel? What, what the wood is? Whatever that is. We look at every single thing that we do on a regular basis. What can we do better? We're not going to stop doing that. We are going to work tirelessly on every facet of our business until we are until we re- reached a point where we don't feel like we can make any more progress. And we're, when we do that, we're going to build a much bigger plant and do it all over again. So that's my... That's your spiel. That's my spiel. Man. All right. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate yeah, you passion, coming on, the John. The passion is there. Uh, we're, we're at the end, so do you have any closing statements you'd like to say? 
Man, I said it all, man. I said way too much. I was over here talking nonstop. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on. Tyler? Yeah, glad. Thanks for having us, guys. Really. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Tyler? Man, I tell you, you know, it's 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 a pleasure. I appreciated your rambling. I appreciate you taking uh, the time to even talk to me and Chad. Um, you know, I kind of gave Chad a couple of, couple of hard times uh, on this podcast, but, man, he's a great guy, and uh, thanks for putting all this together. I, I feel privileged just to, just to sit with you two and do this. Well, you know, honestly, man, thank you. And, and of course, I don't, I don't think we should stop giving Chad a hard time. Chad would <laughs> stop giving me a hard time. But, you know, honestly, we're without passionate fans, um, especially like Chad. And I know how many bottles he has. I know how often he's been to distillery. Without people like that, uh, it, it, our business it would certainly be a lot harder, and it wouldn't be as much fun, right? When you when you when you see pictures of someone that has that many bottles and they have, they've been that dedicated to something that you put out, and that somebody in in Max Welton, West Virginia, signs their name on a bottle, and there's hundreds of them sitting in Chad's house. I think that's a really wonderful thing, and it motivates us to be better every day. You hear that, Chad? I heard you better it. Better be smiling. <laughs> All right, Tyler, you want to hit us with your uh, closing statement? Yeah, man, I hate to say it, but KY over everything. We love Kentucky here, and we love the bourbon we make here, but I tell you what, we did a um, we did a bourbon bracket. See, he's not tuned into any of our podcasts, which is obviously no harm, no foul. You're unbelievably busy. Um, but we, we did a, uh, a bourbon bracket where we broke it down just like March Madness, and uh, Smooth Ambler went to the final game against George T. Stagg. I'll, I'll have you know that I was the only one that voted Smooth Ambler. No, so, uh, Jonathan did. Cleefot, yeah, yeah. Cleefot voted Smooth Ambler. Uh, so you've got you've got a couple big fans here, and uh, we really appreciate your time. But yeah, uh, I hate to tell you, but Kentucky over everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll hey, say another one would be a passionate man. <laughs> I'll say in closing, enjoy your pours, enjoy your family. Thanks to John Little for coming on. This has been a great podcast, and you all have a good afternoon. Hell yeah. Thanks, guys.